Wives, what have you done to make his life better today? Husbands, what have you done to make her life better today? Yes, we are going to talk about marriage from a grace-based perspective from Ephesians chapter 5. Let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. And Jesus has taken the punishment for every single person that's in this room. He put the curse in reverse. And just like Adam turned a garden into a grave, Jesus turned a grave so into a garden. So now it's just grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor. But we're still here. And we're still standing. And we got Jesus, so we've got the victory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Preacher Think, where I take thoughts downloaded from God and His Word and upload them to you via the lens of grace and kingdom. I'm your host, Chad Joyner, and I am excited to talk to you today about what we're going to talk about. We're going to launch from this thought today. Wives, what is it that you have done to make your husband's life better today? And husbands, what is it that you've done to make your wife's life better today? All-encompassing those two questions, we're going to talk about marriage from a grace-based perspective from Ephesians, the fifth chapter today. We're going to look at, again, marriage from a grace-based perspective from Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Now, the first thing that we think about when we think about marriage, we think about words like love and honor and respect and unity. I mean, obviously, love is, is one of the first things that we think about, because if you're getting married out of outside of anything uh, rather than love, then you're probably married for the wrong reasons. But love is a fruit in which is produced from God. And it's a fruit that we get to experience, that we get to bear out in our relationships. And then, of course, it, it happens in our marriage relations. And of course, we, we also think about honor. We never want to shame anybody in the body of Christ. And especially if we are uh, uh, Christian spouses, one to another, Christian husband, Christian wife, uh, we're, we're all about honor and not shame. We're about respect. I mean, that means having just these mutual admiration of feelings towards one another. And of course, union. Uh, the Bible talks about how it's not that we're united in spirit, but we are one flesh. We are one spirit with the Lord. But husbands to wives and wives to husbands, we are united in one flesh. But there's this one other word that I want to talk about and kind of use as a springboard today to really kind of tear down some walls and some barriers that I think that we've misunderstood in the context of marriage because it's, it's a big word that we always stumble on and it's the word submission. And if anybody has ever been in a church for more than five minutes or read your Bible, if you know anything about your Bible and have ever read it more than, you know, two seconds and you hear anything about marriage, people will appoint you to Ephesians chapter five, verses 20 through two through 28. And today I want to read that for you. We're going to read Ephesians chapter five, verses 20 through through 28. And then I'm also going to jump down to verse 33 and read that as well. And we're going to use that as a springboard to talk about the one word that everyone gets tripped up on, which is submission in marriage. And here's what the verse reads. Ephesians chapter five, verses 20 through two through 28, and then verse 33 read like this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then verse 33 reads like this. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Now, when you read that verse of scripture or that passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter five, verses 23 through 28, it uses the word submit a couple of different times. And submit is always a word we get caught up on when it comes to this passage. And many times in the actuality of marriages, many individuals associate that word submit with weakness. But I'm here to tell you, especially in regards to wives, no one is telling a wife to be a doormat. Let me give you a a definition or the definition of submit as it is laid out in scripture. The definition of submit, it means to understand and to support as being led. It's a really simple definition. It means to understand and support as being led. Now, I know somebody is thinking, Chad, where did you get this definition from? I mean, and I'm glad you asked because if you look at the word submit in the original Greek, This passage is written and it means uh, in the the original Greek that it's intended or that it's written in means to unconsciously obey. It's like breathing. That means it's like a natural thing to us. But then when you look also or when you then when you look at the word obey in the Greek, it means to listen to attentively and to look at a transmitted message from one with power that's prescribing an action or an attitude to be adopted. It's an urging, it's a motivation, it's an inspiration or an inspiring by someone. It's an encouragement by someone of authority to think and to act in a way that expresses Christ. It's, listen to this guys, it's an expression out of opportunity, not obligation. It's not something that you have to do, it's something that you get to do. Obedience is not something that you do out of obligation. It's something that you do out of opportunity. It's not something that you do to gain anything from Christ. It's something that you get to do because you've already gotten everything that you need for life and godliness from Christ. So submission is not something that you do out of obligation. Submission is something that you do out of opportunity. Submission is something that you do because you've been motivated to do it. You've been inspired to do it. You have been uh, uh, urged to do it from a godly perspective. Again, it's something that you do out of opportunity, not something that you do out of obligation. And I would dare say no wife has a problem submitting to a husband who has already submitted himself to God, meaning he acts or he places himself or or leads from a place of love and honor and respect and security and stability. No one has a problem with understanding and supporting or, or, or following someone who's doing that. Besides, authority is not about who you're over. Authority is about actually who you're under. 
And as my wife would all point out about this passage in regard to authority, where's the emphasis really placed here? Now, we're going to really start to drill down into what this passage says here in just a second. But where is the emphasis really placed here? Is it really placed on wives being instructed to submit to husbands or is it placed on husbands being instructed to love your wives as Christ loves the church? She makes this statement to say the focus is on how Christ loves the church, his called out ones, and everything else flows from that place. So because, again, authority is not about who you're over. It's about who you're under. And in context, via the lens of grace, we actually find equal opportunity for both parties in this passage of scripture. We find equal opportunity for husbands and wives to to submit to one another. And again, I know most people begin reading this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter five. They start reading it from verse 22 through verse 28. But if you just back up one verse to verse 21, it's, it gives us some better context to really have a springboard to conversation about what real biblical husbands and wives get to do with and to one another. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 says this. It says, submit to one another. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 says it just like this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's right. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This isn't a passage for husbands to lord over their wives and to, to, to have wives kowtow in fear to their husbands as it's been errantly taught over the years. I've heard it errantly taught so many times. This is not a passage of scripture about wives just being these small, frail individuals that are just uh, shriveled under the, the, the mere power of a husband as he lords over them and they kowtow in fear. No, that's not what this is about. The crux of the passage isn't about setting a hierarchy in and of the home, but rather as we view it through the lens of grace, it's setting a system of honor and setting a system of love and respect between husbands and wives. It's a picture of the substance of our union of unconditional love, of unfathomable grace, and of unlimited honor exemplified in our marriage to Jesus Christ. That's what a marriage relationship is between husbands and wives. God's not in the business of having wives resent their husbands and the marriage relationship, just like he's not in the business of having his bride, his called out ones, the big C church, resent him and the relationship that we have with him. He's also not in the business of having husbands go off on some ego or some power trip being ballooned up with ego and pride. No, he's not about that. He's that's not who husbands are to be because husbands are a picture of him. And that's not how he is. That is not his nature. That is not his character. His nature and his character is caring and loving. And also he submits himself to us. When we ask God a prayer in Jesus name and he answers that prayer, he is obliging us. He's submitting himself to our prayer to answer that prayer for us. So no, Jesus is all, no, Jesus is not about any man 
man or anyone lording power, so to speak, over their wives to make them feel crushed, to make them feel demeaned. No, Jesus is all about marriage being a relationship that expresses and exhibits him in every single way. Why? Because it's a representation of our marriage and our union in him, in Christ Jesus. He's the bridegroom and we are his bride. So when we start with proper context from from verse 21 of Ephesians 5, we start from a place of understanding that wives are meant to understand and support their husbands. Husbands are meant to support and understand their wives. And how about this? Here's a novel idea. How about believers are meant to understand and support each other, understand and support one another. It's really all about what Galatians chapter six says. Galatians six, two tells us that it's all about putting someone else before our, our, someone else and someone else's needs before our own. You know, Galatians six, verse two, where it says, bear each other's burdens. That's really what the marriage relationship is about. That's really what our union and our relationship in Christ Jesus is about on a whole, even from believer to believer, not just spouse to spouse, not just husbands to wives and wives to husbands, but also just believe period. It's really all about putting the needs of someone else before your own. It's an attitude of care from all parties and it's a, it, it brings mutual honor and love and respect to each other. Anything that's done mutually means it's a feeling or an attitude or action experienced by both parties that towards one another. It's not just a a, a wife submitting to a husband or a husband just submitting to a wife. It literally is about a mutual submission or a mutual understanding and support for one another where, uh, when it comes to honor and love and respect, all parties are doing it toward each other. You see, it's been said that men know how much they are loved by first knowing how much they're respected. And then on the flip side, women know how much they are respected by how much they are first loved. But this passage, when understood in proper context, kind of flies in the face of that cultural understanding with Christ-filled wisdom that understanding and supporting one another brings mutual love and respect. Mutual love and respect. Mutual love and respect brought about by submitting to one another. Is supported by the grace-centered perspective of Christ and squashes the cultural view of masculine dominance and feminine subservience with the truth of Galatians uh, chapter 3. If you looked at Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, this is what it says, and I'm going to read it for you. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28, in a nutshell, Paul is saying, stop categorizing each other by what roles you play and understand that we're all one in Christ. 
Now, listen to me. Don't please don't say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't have different roles. We all need to understand that we have an identity and our identity is found in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. If you've received the life of Christ and you have believed in him, your identity is found in him. We all have a purpose, which ultimately is to uh, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever as as we express him as we exhibit him to all people in all places all the time. That th Those two things, our identity and our purpose, that's what those are. But we also have our roles and our assignments. Our role is what we do, and our assignment is where we do it. So we can have multiple roles. We can even assignments over time. Because what we need to understand is roles and assignments, those things change. But your purpose and your identity, those things never, those things never, ever change. So I'm not saying we don't have different roles, but what I am saying is that our worth and our identity isn't found in any role, but rather our identity is found in the reality of our lives in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we desire to honor, to love, to respect, and to cherish others, including our spouse. No spouse has a problem with warming up to being cared for when there's mutual understanding and support, aka submission to one another. Here's a novel approach. Husbands, how about you do this to your wives? Here's another novel approach. Hey, wives, how about you do this to your husbands and you mutually mutually delve into honor and love and respect via the grace-filled context of Ephesians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 21, where it says to submit to one another, simply meaning to understand and support one another. When we set our eyes on Jesus concerning ourselves with godly grace-filled attitudes and actions, it takes the emphasis off worrying about how we perform and how our spouse is going to respond to us. Wives, please, please, please listen to me when, this say, when I say this. Take the misnomer off of yourself that submitting to your husband means cowering under one who rules with an iron fist, who's ready to pound you into the dirt if you don't do everything that he tells you to do, everything that he says. Please take that misnomer off you that, it, again, it means cowering under somebody who is trying to rule over you with an iron fist and trust that in Jesus, in and through you, you will be allowed, he will help you and allow you to understand and support your husbands. And husbands, please, 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 in the name of Jesus, relieve yourself of the pressure that loving your wife as Christ loves the church means that you need to make her feel like she's a weak, whimpering puppy so it's easy for you to make the love happen, the love, so to speak, happen because she cowers under your perceived power. That's not the context of this verse. That's not the context of this passage. And it's not about your performance, husbands. It's not about your performance, wives. You, Husbands and wives, you both have. We all have the real power of God living in us. And it's best utilized in regarding Jesus to trust him in and through us to understand and support one another. So guys, please be... Use the real power of Christ that you have in you to be best utilized in, in trusting Jesus in and through you to understand and support your wife. 
Let's release religious expectations so you can walk and live together in mutual freedom, loving and respecting one another as you understand, support, live with, love on one another. So wives, what did you do today to make his life better? Husbands, same question. What did you do today to make her life better? I hope after this that we can actually sit down and be able to slow down and say, we can mutually say we together trusted Jesus in and through us to understand and support each other, which is the essence of what? Submission to one another. Well, guys, we're about to run out of town, but I did the show today and we hope you can, we hope, we hope that you connect with us and you continue to live out your life at the pace of grace. God bless. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.